everyone. Welcome to McNuttiest Dimension. I'm Chris McNutt. I'm glad you could stop by the Consciousness Salon where we broaden perspective because that is a useful skill to develop. Just broaden the perspective. There is always another viewpoint that we can examine this wonderful mess we call life, our life here on the surface of this planet. We can always look at it from another point of view. And I find personally that that perspective, the expansiveness of it, damn, it just helps take the edge off this stuff. These little hooks, these barbs, these things that get sharp, they stick at us. We think it's all so important. And, you know, go looking from somewhere else and it's like, well... Not actually. Okay, so we all live on the surface of this wonderful planet that we call Earth. Um, Some people call it Gaia, and we are the Earthlings, or the Gaians, or the Terrans, um, indigenous humanoid species of this planet, one one of the indigenous species of this planet um, with higher consciousness. And whether it is active or not in sort of our perspective how we view things we all have a relationship with this planet some way and sometimes we call it mother nature um and it sustains us in every physical way that we require for these bodies to survive and it also sustains us energetically because the earth gaia is a being that is way beyond our human comprehension as to the dimensions and the energy frequency that it encompasses in that full scope and grandeur. I am solidly in the camp that describes everything as being alive and having consciousness of some sort. And you're like, whoa, dude, like even my fridge, you're telling me like my fridge has consciousness and it's alive. And I'm like, yeah, depending on your perspective of what you call life and consciousness, because it is definitely in some form and it's performing a function. It's got a lifespan, got energy. It's not so different from you and me on some level, but without going down the rabbit hole of expounding upon fridge consciousness, the planet, Earth, Gaia, Mother Nature, Earth Mother, it's alive. And it's got consciousness on dimensions and densities and frequencies far, far, far different than what we experience in human form. Now, some describe planets and suns and stars as founder beings that were involved in the initial creation phase of the entire universe and like the team that manifested the primary energy densities and that initial polarity of light, dark, yin, yang, oneness, separation, that split that from, you know, it was once all unified, love, light, energy, and then it split into the myriad of consciousness and experiences and life forms and dimensions and this whole freaking thing that we are now experiencing as part of the unified one consciousness. Because, well, it's all there is, people. One, one, and you are a part of it. But the earth as a founder being, along with the sun, existing primarily in, some say, the seventh dimension or dimensity or level of math, physics, reality, whatever it is, again, beyond our comprehension in human form, which is by design, by the way, so don't get too bent out of shape about, oh, I'm being kept in the dark about these things. You're not telling me the full story. You chose to be here exactly as you are to try to figure out the puzzle from this perspective and help with that journey back to the indivisible one once again or something like that. You just describe it in your own words. But the earth, the planet, as many are discovering and many have known since the dawn of time, since time began here, whenever that was on this planet, many know that the earth is an extremely advanced being because, well, you know, Just look around this place and, you know, drop to your knees with your jaw hanging down. Because really, 
That is the only normal response we should have every moment we're alive just to be freaking blown away by everything all the time, the intricacy, the brilliance of this design. And the role the Earth plays is basically the creator of that magic from this higher dimensional energy realm on which it operates because it's an energetic being. The earth has mysteries and energies and a metaphysical design and structure. And it's once again being rediscovered by all kinds of people around the world and interacted with in new ways and old ways and all kinds of different ways. Um, I'm sure many of you folks out there explore this sort of thing on your own, in your own way. You're aware of others doing this work, but connecting with the planet and the higher dimensional frequencies it resonates with is, again, it's very active out in the world these days. So my guest today on McNadia's Dimension is Alyssa Miski who is actively involved in what she describes as light grid meditation working directly with energy meridians of the planet to help anchor in some higher light frequencies to this joint because we all know it definitely needs it. So to set the scene, Alyssa lives in this truly wonderful, magical place in northern British Columbia, Canada, in a place south of the small town of Atlan, BC. So if you check that out on Google Map to get a sense of her location and where she's at, follow the Warm Springs Road south of Atlan, about 25 kilometers or so, to a place called Warm Bay on Atlan Lake, where there's actual warm springs bubbling out of the ground year-round. Now, it's not a hot springs. It's only warm water, lukewarm, in fact, but it creates pools and meadows through this location where Alyssa and her partner, Stephen, their son, small group of like-minded souls have been living for numerous years off-grid, surrounded by pristine Atlan Lake, mountains, glaciers. They're on this old homestead property where the warm springs flow through greenhouses and gardens and chicken coops in the meadows, just blooming with this crazy variety of magical life. And Atlan was a place that I myself lived for about eight years in the 90s. My two eldest sons were, were small and we raised them there. I'm very familiar with the warm springs and its residents. So this interview was recorded during a recent visit down to Alyssa's home at the Warm Springs in Atlin, BC. So please help me give a very warm, warm, McNuttiest Dimension welcome to Alyssa Miski. So great to be here at your place at Warm Springs, Atlin, BC. What's a, what's a general kind of energetic feeling that you have just living in a place like this year round? Well, we truly are surrounded by wilderness in every direction. We have mountains 360 on all sides of us. So you can literally walk up the mountains here and see mountains beyond mountains, beyond mountains in every direction and not see people. So it really has this feeling of pristine wilderness and freedom. And there's this connection to the land and the wind and the forest and it's really beautiful and quiet and peaceful. And how long have you been here in this environment? I've been here 18 years now. And what was it that drew you to this place? What was the story? Alyssa Miski ends up down at the end of the road in this gorgeous location. 
Well, I was living in Calgary and I was wanting to go backpacking somewhere where I was allowed to have a fire and I wasn't going to come across a logging road, a mining road or cattle. And basically, I had to come all the way up the Alaska Highway up into the far north to find the wilderness. So it was the wilderness that brought me here. And you stayed because you met a man. <laughs> um, I met Stephen, yes. I also had had a vision when I was in the city of living in a very small cabin so I could live in balance and harmony with nature. So this was a vision that came to you before you even left the city. Yes, I had a vision when I was living in Calgary and I sold everything that did not fit in my car and quit my jobs and drove up the Alaska Highway to find this wilderness because I saw myself living in it. And you you scored. You 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 found uh you found a, a truly magical place. You have uh you, it's not a hot spring, but it's a, it's a warm spring. Warm water bubbles out of the ground here year round and you have uh greenhouses and uh you grow a lot of food and uh what's that connection been like for you to this particular place, very special place? Well, it has given me the opportunity to connect over a long period of time to the plants, the herbs that grow in the forest, the medicine that comes from the land, and the spirits of the land and the animals. So over time, I've learned to connect very deeply with the animals. I find, find now that I'm able to communicate with the bears that come here through my aura. And I find that we're able to understand each other. And it really is amazing because we are so connected to everything in nature. And when we have time and space to give that energy... It feels very expansive. So coming into this expansive place, uh, what was the process? When did, what was some of those first experiences that you had that kind of led you into this current practice you have now of the, the light grid meditation? Well, the first significant experience was I was just wandering around the meadow by the warm springs and this vision just came to me and it was as if the vision came through the land and through these meadows here, which probably happened because this is a very sacred meadow where the indigenous people have done healing and ceremonies before. And so I just had this vision so clearly that one day people from all around the world would come here to this land to reconnect with the spirit of mother earth and with each other and all colors of people would unite in harmony like the colors of the rainbow and like it was almost like this vision was being held by this land and i was able to pick up on that so was it was it visual did you see it did you did you feel it what was that experience like it was an inner knowing it was like I guess it was like a scene, but it just a deep knowing like this energy is here. This land needs people to come. The people will unite together when they get here. The people will reconnect with the spirit of the earth. And this is going to have an impact on the world. Wow, that's pretty, that's deep. <laughs> and what's, what was the journey of that manifesting or what? What was the next thing that happened in sort of our story here today? Well, I guess there was a lot of learning and healing along the way. And I had a child and studied the healing arts and learned all about chakra balancing and aura balancing and all kinds of healing work. And this was like healing of, of yourself. Did you find like you went through some deeper processes in your own journey? Definitely. I did a lot of my own healing. And then I started a practice in reflexology, which led to acupressure and sound healing, energetic kinesiology, and then more energy healing from there. So 
I had a private practice for eight years in Atlin. And did that energy work, did it sort of dovetail into this, into this other work or were you, did you continue to have sort of this vision? Did it, did it build in any way throughout that time? There definitely was a relationship in what I was learning in my healing practice, also my son, because everything I studied was something that my son needed for healing in his life. And the prophecies and the work with the light grid all interrelated. And so I didn't know at the time, but whereas I started more with acupressure and body work, it turned more into shamanic healing and soul retrieval and things that would become more relevant for the prophecies. So what are the kind of energetic or even like some practice connections between doing this acupressure style healing to the planetary light grid. What 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 threads of connection can we make there? Well, it's actually amazing because like just like the human body has meridians and acupressure points, energy flows through our meridians and things become stagnant and blocked. We hold acupressure points that releases and then the energy can flow through the whole system. It's exactly the same with the planet Earth. So Mother Earth is a living being. She's alive and mountains and sacred sites act like acupressure points on the earth and some of them are blocked and others are totally open and have limitless energy that they can give to blocked points and so working with the light grid is very similar to doing acupressure on a human body so then what was the next phase of your journey from healing, you're doing personal healing arts, professional healing arts. And then when did this light activation, light grid activation, when did that kick into more full force? So I had had this vision of building this medicine wheel and that when we built this medicine wheel, other people would come to heal the planet together. And so what happened 12 years after I had written down this vision is I connected with one of our First Nations elders who was a traditional knowledge keeper of the Taku River Clinket First Nation here in Atlin. And we prayed together for the true medicine to come back to the people for healing for the people and the land. And two weeks after we prayed together, we just magically got in contact with a woman who had been to Peru and she had learned very powerful healing ceremonies in Peru. And she had been given a condor medicine pipe as part of the Eagle condor prophecy. And so this was a total stranger, but we just connected through the internet and she agreed to come help us build this medicine wheel. And so we planned the, these ceremonies with our First Nations people and we planned to have three days of ceremony around the summer solstice. This was how long ago? Four years ago. And so we were sitting around a sacred fire in the meadow, not really too much aware of the prophecies or anything bigger. And you mentioned the eagle condor prophecy. So you say she mentioned it, but you didn't know. I didn't know anything about this before. And so we're sitting around the fire and Nicole brings out the condor pipe. And then we had an elder, a clinket elder, and he brought out the eagle pipe. And we were like, holy, what is going on? Because the eagle condor prophecy says the eagle is the masculine. That's North America. And the condor is the feminine in South America. And the prophecy says, when the eagle and the condor fly together again, peace and balance will come to the world. Well, here's a woman who received the condor pipe in Peru sitting around our fire. And here's a 
elder a man with the eagle pipe. And the pipes are both brought out. They're both filled with sacred tobacco from Peru and passed around our circle together at the same time. And everyone prays for this prophecy to come and for peace to come to the world and for spirituality to bring balance to the material side of the world. And that really was just the beginning, because after that, we learned more and more that in our land, we had our mountains stored energy and knowledge that was needed for the rest of the world. Now, we say in our mountains, like mountains in general throughout the planet or the specific ones in this location? Specifically in Atlan. And so the very first time I was given ceremonies to connect our mountains with the mountains of Peru, when I did this ceremony, I saw I was not connecting anything new. This was an energetic pathway that was thousands of years old. It had simply been forgotten about, and we were reconnecting the energy line. And there was our elder who had traveled to Peru when he went there, and he was with the medicine people in Peru. He said the people in Peru already knew that we had energy and knowledge in our mountains here in Atlan that was needed for the world. And did the Peruvians speak specifically about Atlan, BC, not just say coastal British Columbia or North America? Was it really specific to, to this neighborhood? I don't know because I wasn't there, but yes, um, our elder was aware of a very specific location on one of our mountains where there's a very specific place where there's knowledge stored for the earth. So you've got this Peruvian connection now. You got uh, your the Clinket elder, and what were the next steps to bring about more of this discovery of as you said, this is this is ancient. You were just there's this feeling of rediscovery. How did that go down? So we went on a healing journey where we began to understand that the mountains have consciousness and they contain energy and light and knowledge and they wish to share it with us. And in fact, many places around the world, like Peru and India, this is accepted. And so we learned that we could tune in and we could communicate with the mountains and receive messages and insights and awareness through connecting with the mountains. And I take it you did some of this connection with the mountains? Yeah. And what did what did they have to say? Well, each mountain has its own personality and each mountain had something different to say. Mount McCollum at the south end of Atlan Lake remembers when the people used to connect with it and consult with it. And it brings back these memories of profound peacefulness when people were living in deep harmony and peace with the land and each other. So connecting with Matt McCollum brings in that energy. Some of the mountains hold on an energetic plane, they hold spirit lodges or ancestral energies or connections with the stars that you can tap into Um, different spiritual beings can spend time or live inside the mountains. Um, We did journeys where we would travel inside the heart of the mountain and we could receive personal healing and also knowledge about how to move forward with our spiritual path for the world. And you were doing this, it wasn't just yourself, who uh, who was part of the group? I started out um, working with our local Clinket people and also being mentored by a small group of medicine people, people that had studied in Peru and then other medicine people in Canada. And then I met more around the world. You, you were working on the preparation of this big ceremony, like you'd had some visions, you'd had some prophecy and you were bringing folks in. 
like what was what was guiding you what was what was kind of leading you to know that you're do that you're on the right track so to speak so we were preparing to build our medicine wheel and we were going out to gather the stones. And who is the we at this point? Um, um, we were working with our Clinket people, and we had four volunteers on the homestead that were helping with all the physical preparations and logistics that needed to be done. And this is when you you had this event was planned. Yes, this four years ago in the summer. It was at the solstice, and yeah. you, so you're you're making ready for for this event. Yes. And so we went out and we went just down the road to McKee Creek to look for some nice, beautiful, large stones for the medicine wheel. And we gave an offering of tobacco to the creek in exchange for taking the stones, which we were given guidance from the Clinket people. This was a good thing to do. And so we offered the tobacco. We gathered our stones. We were walking back. And we stopped to fish at Palmer Lake. So we were walking through the forest and it's kind of, you know, dense forest. And it was kind of a bit of a trip. And our one volunteer, Duker, just really wanted to get a fish. And so he's in the water, which is freezing cold with his bare feet. And he has his fishing rod and he's casting. And three pike fish swim right over to him and they stand right below his feet and they look at his fish hook and they blow bubbles at him. And the rest of you are sitting around. You could you could see this happening. Yeah. And then Audrey has binoculars and she loves birds and she's looking up and she says, oh, here comes an osprey. And she goes, oh, look, it's carrying something in its claws. And then so this is the eagle condor prophecy that we're working on. An eagle comes in the sky and starts trying to get the fish from the osprey and they start doing their little dance in the sky above our heads and duker looks down at the three fish that are like inches from his fish hook and he like he just really wants a fish for dinner like to eat and he looks at these three fish who will not bite his hook and he looks up at this osprey and this eagle and the fish in the talons right above his head. And he puts his hands up to the sky like this and he says, just drop that fish right here. And he did. And so the osprey dropped yeah, it. Or the-, the fish came falling out of the sky and landed in the forest just a little bit away. It took a couple minutes to find it, but it was dropped there. And uh, so the fish was retrieved and then a whole pile of swan feathers, basically a whole wing of a swan was found with all the feathers very close to where the fish dropped. And I had been told the week earlier by a Clinket friend that if you ever find swan feathers, that is like the greatest blessing, the greatest spiritual blessing that could ever happen to you. And you found a whole wing. Yeah, we found a whole wing of swan feathers. And then we also met a black bear on the way home. So you had a fish falling out of the sky. You got a wing full of swan feathers and black bear shows up as well. At the time when you're deciding about this eagle condor prophecy yeah this was this was like just an hour after we had made the tobacco offering for the medicine wheel stones i know a gal she lives off grid in a cabin without a fridge but she don't ride dirt bikes or a horse She wants to get her guidance Straight from source She's connecting Earth meridians Earth meridians Connecting Earth
so was there ever a gathering? Because you said with one of this initial visions was people all over the world, different colors and creeds, and would be gathering here at the Warm Springs. Did that ever manifest? Yeah. So four years ago, we held a gathering. And so we had a group of indigenous people, the Tlingit people here. We had other people that had traveled to come here and other friends and other people in Atlin. And so we had a gathering where we built the medicine wheel, which was kind of anchoring in the vision. We had stones that brought in the connections with the mountains, but it was also a medicine wheel for the world. And we ended up placing stones for every country of the world. The vision was for all people in every country of the world to be able to tap in to the energy from our mountains. Through the energy lines, the energy from the mountains feeds into the light grid and is then accessible to anyone wherever they are in the world. So you are doing this work locally with, with the with the clinket. Locally here, Medicine Wheel built on your land, and then with the intention to send it out to the world. So since you've done that, what have you felt? Or have you felt anything that's kind of, say, come back from the world? Yeah. Well, what happened about six weeks ago is I actually didn't even have an idea about creating a group, but I... um just made a post on social media and ended up with 400 people from all around the world in every like all different continents who said yes please can we join you with your light grid work and so we started a new light grid meditation group and and for yourself when you say when you say light grid meditation for people out there that might go what the hell what, what are you talking about light grid meditation what is first of all what is the the light grid so the light grid is a network of energy lines that connects sacred sites and mountains around the whole planet so it's like a web or a network of interconnected energy lines and it goes completely around the whole earth is this what people would refer to as ley lines? Is it a part of the same thing or is that different? I couldn't really say because so many people mean so many different things when they say ley lines. So I don't think I will even answer that question. But your feeling is you, when you tap in, you're tapping into, you're calling it a light grid mm -hmm. and it's connecting sacred sites, mountains and that sort of thing. Yeah, and so I see that there are major world portals, some of our strongest mountains that are like the biggest anchor points for the light grid. So the Himalayas, Peru, Uluru, Australia, some of these major mountains, and then there's many, many other smaller mountains and sacred sites all around the world, but they are all connected. Are any of those on the, the west coast of America, any of like the Mount Shastas, Mount Adams, Mount Baker, that yep. range? Yeah, pretty much now the majority of mountains in the world at least someone somewhere in the world has done prayers or meditation to strengthen the connections between their mountains with the light grid because in recent years thousands and thousands of people have become aware of this light grid and every time anywhere any person in the world says a prayer or does a meditation or visualizes light connecting between their mountain and the light grid that becomes stronger and it connects more and more. Is it just uh, kind of like people that are being connected? Because you talk about these mountains having consciousness. So so they have their own consciousness. So what's kind of going on with, say, the mountain consciousness and the people? And what, what kind of feelings are you getting in that symbiosis or how are you would describe it? Well... The light grid is act, actually receives energy from the stars. So 
the stars send energy to the mountains, and then the mountains anchor the light for the people. Now, when you're saying the stars, are you just, is that generic kind of cosmic energy, or is this would be like... Specific stars. So in Atlan, our mountain is directly connected with the star of Sirius. In Peru, there's a connection with the Pleiades. In New Zealand, there's a connection with Andromeda. And there's many other ones I don't know where there's very specific stars connect to specific mountains. So here, you're in Atlan, you're connecting with these mountains. Are you also feeling the energy of Sirius Absolutely, Absolutely. And that was part of what we did over the last four years was to witness an opening within ourselves and within the mountain of being able to receive more light and pure unconditional love from the star of Sirius through the mountain, through us and Mother Earth. So it's feeling, as you said, like it's love vibration. It's it's a it's a real pure, unconditional love that you're feeling. Yeah. Now, do you do you think that's just specific to Sirius? Like I know we're at a, we're at an age where more and more people are feeling connected to all kinds of star beings and, and locations, and uh, you know, there's different feelings. You know, people describe Arcturian energy as having a very specific flavor, and Pleiadian energy having a specific flavor. So, to you, are, do you, do you experience like a specific Syrian flavor that's coming through in that way? Well, I identify as being Syrian in that when I've done my journeys, I've had memories come to me of being from Sirius and coming to this location as a Syrian being. And that's how I was able to see all the geometric patterns between our mountains. Um, so to you, in a way, it's feeling just natural. It's almost like some home energy to you or something that it's just, ah, this is, this is what I know. These are my people. These are my, this is, this is my vibe. My groove is coming through and I was meant to be here for that reason. Mm-hmm. That's nice. It sounds, does it, does it feel comfortable? Does it feel that way? Or is there also some tumultuousness? Is it working you in some ways as well as this stuff tends to do to us? It feels like recently we have moved into a much deeper alignment with true unconditional love. And so for the Syrian side, it feels like in the past there was a lot of trauma and Syrians are very old and they contain a lot of wisdom. And so that had a lot of positive energy And just there is also like wars and trauma that was experienced. And so if I look at my Syrian memories, there's some heavy energy there. But it feels like in the last year, the new alignment is a pure unconditional love and light energy. And so it feels like now the energy that is flowing from Sirius to our mountains is... I feel like that trauma has been resolved, that it is now a pure connection with a divine light. And do you feel that that's kind of feeding into the grid and it's kind of like spreading like this anchor point of Syrian energy into this mountain light grid and that's now spreading throughout? Absolutely. And so you say recently you have a group of people that you're connected with, you started to do uh, meditation and describe describe what it is you do. People from all over the world with a similar connection to like light grid activation work. Yeah. And so we work with anybody who is either already working with the light grid or just wants to learn how to work with the light grid. And we're people from all over the world. And so we connect and we do meditations. So we start connecting with some of the portals that have a clear, pure channel flowing from the stars to the mountains. So we tap into that to start. And then many people have heavier or denser energy to the mountains where they are. And then as a group, we help the light from the stronger, purer channels flow through the grid 
to the heavier, denser areas. And then we're able to clear energies, not only from the land and the mountains, but also from the collective consciousness of humanity. So, for example, in one of our meditations, we connected a pathway. So the Star of Sirius was at the top. It came down through our mountains, went into the center of the earth, and we came out at Cedarburg Mountain in Africa. And that is where energy left the planet. And we were able to do a global meditation for releasing fear from the planet by directing the energy out through Africa. Okay, so what kind of feedback, if anything, are you getting from the earth? Does like the earth kind of go, oh, like, thanks, like you're helping to release this stuff. Does does it feel like there, there's something like that? There's some blockages here and you guys are actually really releasing some stuff for us all? Yes, and the mountains, often when we have connected I have actually started crying during the meditations. The mountains are so grateful and so happy and so full of joy when people connect with the mountains. And it's been like, finally, what took you so long? We've been waiting for you. Hello. Oh, that's sweet. It's like you said, Mount McCollum down here at the end of Atlan Lake has had that that sentiment We've been waiting for you. We remember when you used to do this. And a lot of the mountains, like in our journeys, we travel to the Himalayas. And I was like, well, hello, there you are. What took you so long to get here? Even the Himalayas say that because it seems like, uh, you know, that some say India, Tibet, that's been like almost the, the spiritual center of the world for the last... 2000 years and there's you know that's pretty solid work has being done up there tibetans and you know the buddhists and all the yogic traditions of india have been going pretty full tilt for the last good number of thousands of years but even the homalias were saying thanks for finally tuning in again it was a personal message to our group, and we had connected a triangle between Peru and Canada and the Himalayas. And so we had started in Peru. We we brought energy from Peru with us up to Canada and then over to the Himalayas. And so we arrived as our group at the Himalayas with all of us and all the light from Peru and from the mountains in northern Canada. And when we arrived at the Himalayas, it was an incredible feeling of celebration and joy and like this huge party that we had arrived. Wow, that's like the, the the power trio, the Andes, the Canadian Rockies and the Himalayas. Wow. And is that is that party feel like it's still going on? Does it feel like some connection has been made in the grid that that resonates or what keeps it still resonating? Yeah, so we connected a triangle of light between the three. So from Peru to Canada to the Himalayas, we brought it back to Peru. And then we anchored all of the light into the core of Mother Earth in Peru so that that triangle would stay as a triangle of light flowing between those mountains. I don't know what else to say besides cool. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just super cool and like and, and thanks you know from as of you know being a human that knows really not much about this at all but you and your friends are hanging out doing this stuff and if the mountains are happy i mean it sounds awesome like the you're making the mountains happy yeah we're waking up to the interconnectedness between us and the mountains and realizing that we all have consciousness and we're all here to help each other. Does it feel like it's been activated in any way with just, you know, so, so many people are talking about this current age post 2012, uh, you know, Ascension energies, lots is coming down from many stars from the sun, you know, things are really ripping um, spiritually, energetically in full force. Does it feel like, this kind of fits with that groove, the work you're doing? Absolutely. And I kind of see it like this spiritual energy is now 
everywhere in the higher dimensions. It's like a cloud. Imagine there was this giant cloud of light and it was floating over the earth, but it could just blow away in the wind. And with the light grid, we tune into that light in the higher dimensions. We pull it down. We anchor it into the mountains. We anchor it into our bodies. We anchor it into Mother Earth. And we're pulling the light from the, the higher dimensions into the physical world so that it becomes part of our physical reality. And this is something humans maybe used to do in the past, but somehow could have forgotten and we're rediscovering it's, I mean, we've been in a age of darkness the last two, 4,000 years, you know, it's, it's, we've been asleep in so many ways. So is this feel like another, like waking up moment for us? Like, we you know, had this long snooze and we're finally getting back to business? Yeah, my understanding is that the light grid has never had this amount of light before, but certainly humanity has been in much higher levels of consciousness before, and many of the connections between the mountains were very active in the past. Um, so certainly bits and pieces, but my understanding is that the light grid has never had this amount of light as it has ever had, as it does right now. So what's causing this, this high density of light vibration in the grid? Well, I believe that it's our alignment, the planet Earth with the different stars and the central sun. So it's just sort of natural evolution? Yeah, I believe that the, that there's a spiritual cycle and we've come to the end of one cycle that was a period of darkness and we're now in a new era of light and the planet is moving closer and closer into energies that are more connected with our divine source. Thank God, about time. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel for you, you know, with the notion that it's that this work is feminine in nature and we're kind of moving out of this masculine dominated patriarchal time does it is there any feeling that regard or does it feel balanced for you in the sort of you know masculine feminine ways well we consciously work with honoring both the feminine and the masculine sides of everything in the work we do because both are important. And so, yes, we are in a time where the feminine spiritual energies are honored and they have a leadership role, but also the divine masculine side is very important that we pay attention to both. I know a gal She gets her thrills Visiting portals Up in the hills But she don't go hiking Through steep terrain She visits from home On the astral plane She's connecting with Syrian Connecting with Syrians. So through this adventure, what was the experience of the strengthening or did it happen? This, this Condor Eagle prophecy, did that feel like that materialized or manifested in any way? Yeah. So what happened is we did ceremony to strengthen the connection between the mountains and people and the medicine the land held in Peru and in northern Canada here. And those energy lines became stronger and it opened up our awareness that we had knowledge and light stored in our mountains that was meant for the entire world. So that was one of the, that came out of that ceremony you did as solstice four years ago. Yeah. And since then you've been tapping into the local mountains as a portal into this light grid that, and you're feeling it spread far and wide. Yeah, and so 
There's seven sacred mountains around Atlan Lake and a glacier, and that's a system of mountains that is geometrically connected. It actually makes the seed of life pattern if you do draw energy lines between the mountains. And so that whole system is connected, but we also have a very specific star portal on one of the mountains. It's only a few meters wide, and it's a very specific site where there's an exact portal that connects with the stars have you experienced that yourself or you have just have knowledge of it um we have gone a number of times to the location it is marked where it is and we have meditated and i have picked up very strongly on spiritual energies when i sit there and those energies come into my aura and so this really is what led me to do the light grid meditations because I was able to, to tap into that energy. And then with the last time we went over, I feel like I began to transmit light. So the light from the portal came into my aura and then other people that would tune into me would tap into that light. And then that led me to do the light grid meditations for the world to, it's like we become transmitters and then we transmit our light and then everyone else is becoming transmitters and everybody's receiving and transmitting this light to everyone else. Give and take, receive and, and give. And the, the, the old Syrian in you is feeling this Kind of, does it feel like that that energy coming to you from the local mountains that you're transmitting, or is it more general? Is it specific, or does it feel like general? It feels whatever just, that means. It just feels <laughs> general like, energies. <laughs> it just feels like pure, unconditional love and pure light. It feels like there's complete acceptance for like every person and plant and animal, like just pure, unconditional love. And the light contains knowledge and awakening codes. There's information in the light. So it doesn't feel like it's just Syrian. Some people um, feel there's Pleiadian energy coming through as well. And it's all connected and these energies are all similar and it's all there in every fragment of the holographic universe at the same time so it's it's all a part of everything but that does it sounds wonderful like you you lived here for what are you saying 18 years and then just recently you got discovered some energy portals across the lake that are giving you the pure love light vibrations of the universe that is a good deal yeah we're very, very grateful and honored just to be living the journey that we're living right now. So do you have a feeling of kind of like what's, I mean, it's hard for anybody to say what comes next in this world we're living in because nobody knows. But what what are the energies of the moment feel like for you now and maybe where this is going for you or your group or your family and this place? Well, it feels really important that people do open themselves up to the light because there's so much fear and control being broadcasted around the planet. And it feels really important that people tap into the light, connect with it, anchor it down, bring it into their bodies, heal themselves, balance their own chakras and their own aura with this light. Allow the old energies just to release and to shed out of your chakras and your aura as you allow the light in. And then as we do that those fear and denser energies drop out and they no longer become part of the reality that we're manifesting. And it feels like we're at a critical moment in the world where people do this. Would this be, you know, a description of what people are calling ascension? 
You know, this kind of does it does it feel in any way this up leveling of you know people are saying we're moving from third density to fourth density, fourth dimension to fifth dimension. Is it this? You just describing something similar to that, or does it have a different meaning to you? I think it is definitely connected. I think as we connect with the light and we raise our vibrations, we bring the light in. We're shifting our perception and we're shifting in our awareness, and that is more of a fifth dimensional perception than a third dimensional. There is like so much broader understanding, higher perception, forgiveness, empathy, compassion, and love. A lot more 5D energy for sure. So if people are feeling this calling to say, you know, get into the grid work, you know, like myself, I'm doing a lot of this, this, this work as well as, as we all are, but it hasn't specifically say taken me into mountain consciousness and taken me into the planetary light grid in that way. But so those that might be having that connection and that calling, what can they do to sort of like further their exploration or their connection to it? Well, any person anywhere in the world can tap into the light grid at any moment. So some people just tap directly into the light grid. I find it's way easier to tap into a mountain or a portal because the energy is flowing so much more strongly there. And it's easier to tap into a mountain or a portal where the light is flowing in a clear channel, which is not the case for all our mountains and portals because some are carrying a lot of dense energies still. So your Himalayas, your mountains in Peru, um, northern Canada, um, Uluru, Australia, Mount Shasta, some of the more well-known ones that are really at those higher frequencies, I find is the easiest way to connect. Do you find that they're um, like the ones that are out in more of the wilderness locations with less people have maybe more of that pure energy and the ones that are been, you know are around lots of lots of people that have sort of this denser energy you describe, or does it that matter at all? That is definitely one factor, but it's not just about population density, because, for example, in Peru or the Himalayas, where you may have a large amount of people who are in a spiritual relationship with the, with the mountains, those are actually the strongest. Okay, Often. so so there's still like the Himalayas are still giving off a, a pure vibe. Absolutely, the Himalayas are actually have the most profound energy of peacefulness and like pure spiritual presence and joy and celebration and high vibrational energy than any I have tapped into. Okay, it's still happening in the Himalayas. Do you know anything about the notion that the spiritual center of the planet shifted from the Himalayas to Peru? Um, Drunvalo Melchizedek kind of wrote about it in sort of some ceremonies and that they did to, to help bring the, the serpent of light from the Himalayas recently to the to Peru. And over this next stage, the next thousand year cycle is more going to be centered in the Andes rather than the Himalayas where it has been. Does that ring a bell to you in any way? Well, I have heard that and that is not something that I have personally done a meditation on or connected with. Um, similar as there's many different perceptions and theories out there about which mountains are which chakra for each planet. And in our like grade group, I ask that we stay out of that because there are so many different ideas about what those are. And if you think about it, the planet is a globe. So depending on which star you're coming in from, where is the top and where is the bottom? Where is the crown? Where is the root? It could be totally flipped or it could be anywhere. And so they may be all valid, which is which. So I just connect with the joy and the love and the light from all of them without worrying about what's what. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's the highest vibe. That is that's the highest thing up the food chain that people are saying, just that the pure love, light vibration. So uh 
how can people connect to you and your group if they're interested in learning more, if this is, speaks to them anyway, the work that you're doing? Well, we have a new website, and that's www.lightgridmeditations.org. So that would be the best way to get connected with us. Okay. And what do you see as any future for this group? What's what's the feeling of the moment that uh, uh, people happy and excited about doing more of this work? Does it feel like it's going to to grow and keep keep uh, expanding? Absolutely. So we started out working with just our triangle of light between us and Peru and Australia. And we've recently amplified that so that we have um, connections around the entire planet. So we have a Western Hemisphere Triangle and an Eastern Hemisphere Triangle, and they're connected together in the Seed of Light pattern, which goes around the entire planet. So now we have our super strong foundation and anybody who wants to add in their mountains or even their house where they are and connect with this grid. It's really fun and easy now to do that, whereas before it was more difficult. And why do you think it's easier now? Because the web is going around the whole planet and it's like one strong, cohesive, connected grid. And so... If you connect with that pattern, any other place could easily connect. Like before, it was like, okay, here's a line, here's a line, here's a line. And you could kind of connect with that, but there was interference or blockages or, you know, stagnant energy. It's just flowing so beautifully now. Right. And and are you aware of other groups doing similar work? It's it's not the first time I've heard of light grid activations or meditation. So it seems there's 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 many others doing similar things out there. Yeah, there are many around the world. And there's also we came across like over a hundred people before they joined our group. They said they were just doing this by themselves. And it seems to be coming to a lot of people intuitively and they just start doing this. And then they don't even realize other people are doing this. And but now we're realizing that there's thousands of us and it's almost like we're an army of light, but one that doesn't need to fight. We don't need to to have a battle. We just receive love and it just overflows. And as it overflows, it just begins to heal whatever needs to heal. Anchor in the light frequencies and all will be well some way. Yeah. Wow. Alyssa, that's... um. That's it's so good. Like, uh, thanks. That's all I could say for me, from others. This it sounds like wonderful work. You're connecting consciousness of mountains, light grid, bringing in love, light, vibration, energy. You know, to anchor it into our environment. It's hard to find any fault with that. So it's it's wonderful that you could uh, um, you could share that with us today. Thank you very much. Connecting Earth Meridian Connecting with Syrians Connecting with Pleiadians And maybe some Canadians Yes, yes, this whole world is a network of portals. So there's likely energy portals that will connect you with Canadians. And you'll know you've tapped into one if you start receiving messages like, Oh, dude, did you see that sick dangle McDavid did? Like when he fucking burned the D guy and he went top shelf on Hellebuck? Fucking check it out, dude. It's fucking sick. Pass me the bong, will you? If you're receiving multidimensional messages like that, it's likely a Canadian portal you've tapped into. And I know not all Canadians are weed smoking hockey freaks, but it's still fun to perpetuate that stereotype because I like hockey. I like it a lot. I like weed too and beer, but not like I once did. That's mostly a rear view window for me now, but I still like hockey. 
Thanks once again to my guest, Alyssa Miski, and big props to the wonderful work she is engaged in from her nature-infused home, along with her wonderful team of friends from around the world. Details are in the description of this episode on how to connect with her and the work she is doing. A special McNutty's thanks to the band Flaming Lips, who are the musical inspiration on this episode with their song, She Don't Use Jelly. If you'd like to connect, well, I'm available. Just how I roll these days. Uh, McNuttiest is all you need to know. It'd be super sweet to hear from you. As always, it's McNuttiest on Facebook. It's McNuttiest on Instagram. McNuttiest on YouTube and other social media platforms that I signed up for as McNuttiest and I don't even really use. Um, my website is McNuttiest.com for all the episodes and blog and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm Chris McNutt. Thanks for tuning in to the McNuttiest Dimension Consciousness Salon, and we'll catch you next time. McNuttiest.